gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry, start a financial year party! Thank you, David. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming. Uh, oh, geez, that was a radio voice on, on uh, early in the evening. Uh, thank you very much. It is uh, because of the listeners and the people that turn up that we do this and have done this for many years. The feedback we get uh, really does mean, uh, mean a lot to us. Uh, and to the people in the room that have been worst on ground, thank you. I think we hu- hugged it out. We've got a couple of quick hugs to do later. Uh, he's been avoiding me, John, there. But anyway, it's all right. We'll deal with that later. Uh, but it is all in, in fun. And uh, especially thank you to BGL, uh, our sponsors, and Judo Bank for hosting us tonight. You've been uh, lunching with them. And I've been just anyone who's what have you has, been doing? Uh, joining in every single lunch. I think mm. I'm just a standing order at the lunch, which is great. Mm. Uh, Frank keeps seeing him. He goes, oh, you again. Oh, well, it's the same stuff. You'll be right. Uh, but no, uh, thank you very much to Judo. So I think uh, I'm going to pass it back to you. We have got a, a great opportunity to interview. Joseph. You know what I love about Joseph Healy? I, I caught up with Joseph. Now, listeners, you'll remember we did an interview with Joseph Healy. Has anyone here listened to it? Yeah? Hey. Good. I hope so, yeah. Well, I know that you did. We, we actually read the stats. And the best part about Joseph is how it's not off the cuff. Joseph has this genuine passion about returning banking to the profession somewhere of the likes that we actually are. And, and he even admitted that much in the first interview, Joseph. So welcome back to From the Trenches. Great pleasure. Banking's a little bit controversial right now. Uh, well, um, banking has been controversial for quite some time, but it's been particularly controversial in recent times. Um, when the Royal Commission has had a huge impact on, on society and in terms of the perception that society has of the banks. But it's worth keeping in mind that the World Commission was a very narrow investigation into misconduct in the banks. It really was the canary in the coal mine. It was by no means uh, a thorough investigation into the, into the way that the banking system served uh, the economy. And one of the reasons why we established Judo Bank um, was that we felt that the, particularly the small to mid-sized business community was not being well served by the banking system that we have today. And we felt that there was an important role for a new bank to play in, in making sure that we, in focusing only on the needs of small to mid-sized businesses and providing banking as it used to be, banking as it should be, on a cutting-edge technology. So unashamedly, we're very traditional. We believe in professional values. We believe in, in words like integrity and culture and customer centricity. And we believe in, in making sure that we are, first of all, understand what the customer is looking to do. It's not always what the customer says they want to do, but there's a good Woody Allen line that I always remember, where this isn't what I ask for, it's what I want. <laughs> and so a good banker listens to what a customer uh, is seeking to achieve and helps them better understand the best approach to solving their needs. Uh, big announcement uh, over the last, was it today, yesterday, interest rates dropped down to 1%, the lowest in Australian history, is that right? You're amongst a very small group, not many people are listening to this, this show's got a very small listener base. So amongst friends, I'm convinced that you and your banking buddies, you get around, you put a T-bone in front of you, you get three fingers of maybe some talisker, something really heavy, and you say, all right, boys, who's dropping their price first this time? 
And we see this in the market because you follow the timeline of people, CBA drops first and then NAB follows, and then NAB drops first and then Westpac follows. And it's just this endless cycle. Now, I've got a theory. Allow me to – you've written a book, which we'll get to in a moment. But let me, our banks are quasi-nationalised. They're kind of safe. You know, every time they get in a bit of trouble, they get a government guarantee. Every time that there's a turmoil in the economy, somebody steps in and saves them. There's very little competition, which is why you exist. So the way that they access the funds that they then lend out to everybody else is basically the same. Their cost base is almost exactly the same. Maybe CBA a little bit cheaper. They've got all the branches everywhere and Dolomite accounts that they stole money off me when I was a kid. But largely it's the same. So is it just is, – is we perceive that there's pricing collusion. I don't think in this regulatory environment it actually happens, but we perceive that it is. Or is it just there's not enough competition and the consumer's the sucker in the whole thing? Oh, well, I think the, the answer in short is a bit of both. I mean, if you, if you step from the dance floor onto the balcony and look at the banking system in Australia – and I, I worked for two of the large – two of the large four banks here for a number of years, um, it is the most profitable banking system in the world uh, by any measure. And even though the banks will complain about declining profitability, as, as good accountants know, and, uh, particularly when it comes to banks, one of the key measures of, of profitability is the return on equity and, and how the return on equity compares to the cost of equity. Now, the banking and – and the, in a competitive market, particularly in, a, in an industry like banking, the return that the banks should make should be pretty much in line with their cost, the risk-adjusted cost of equity. The reality is that today, and for a number of years, 10 years, not longer, banks have been making between 300 and 500 basis points, or 3% and 5%, above their risk-adjusted cost of equity. And that is not down to the genius of the banks or the management in the banks. It's down to the very cosy almost cartel-like structure that, emerged, that has emerged here over the years, but particularly after the GFC when, when St. George was consumed by Westpac and when Bank West was consumed by CBA, we went from um, an industry that was reasonably competitive, um, particularly in, in markets like um, Sydney uh, uh, and Melbourne, um, to an industry that was heavily concentrated uh, that allowed the banks to pursue profit maximization objectives, all of which have been well um, aired through the Royal Commission. Um, but in doing that, they left, they made some fatal mistakes. And the big, the biggest single mistake, and I say this as someone who was on the senior executive committee of one of the major banks, is that they, they lost sight of their social license or they lost sight of their purpose. Now, the term social license is quite a controversial term in, in the business community. The ASX uh, were unable to make that part of their listing rules because many businesses um, objected to social license being included in, in a requirement. But if there is one industry where social license is very, very, very relevant, it is the banking industry. And the reason for that is that the banks have been given by society a very privileged position. First of all, they're given a license that's very scarce, hard to come by. We got one a week or so, a month or so ago. But these are not; these things are not handed out, and you have to you have to jump very high hurdles and set against very high standards to get a license. 
But one of the things about a banking license is that you are there's a government guarantee on all deposits up to $250,000. So you can put a deposit into Juro, and the government guarantees that you'll get your deposit back should Juro ever fail. Now, in the case of the four major banks, the government also guarantees, not explicitly, but certainly implicitly, that they are too big to fail. So should they make a huge mistake, then the taxpayer, not the government, it's the taxpayer, will come in and bail them out. So that's a reality number one. There are very few private sector companies that know that should things go wrong, the taxpayer will bail you out. And we saw that in the UK. The second thing that is very special about the banks is that they are protected from takeover. Now, again, if you think about a private sector company that is A, protected from bankruptcy, and B, protected from takeover by the state, that is a pretty um, privileged set of circumstances that you should feel, uh, A, uh, uh, that you've been granted something that very few businesses are granted, but with that has to come some responsibility. And that goes back to the concept of social license. In the banking sector, social license is a fundamental premise of why banks exist. If you go back to 101 economics and the role of the banks in the economy, which is to collect our deposits and then recycle those deposits into loans to the household sector and to the business sector, and to do that diligently, responsible lending as it's now known, this is something, a fundamental role that banks play. What has happened over the course of the last uh, 15 years, certainly the last decade in Australia, is that the small to mid-sized business community has not seen its fair share of that capital. Oh, we know that. Accountants definitely know that. We do. And, and that's really interesting because you spoke there about cartel-like behaviour and, and um, being protected. You know, that certainly doesn't give them a lot of willpower or requirement to have that social license. You know, what does judo stand for? What, what is the difference and what was, was um, worth, I guess, uh, so hard fighting to get in amongst uh, some established, well-protected players? Well, thank you. Great question. I mean, I mentioned earlier that we, that with the judo team, which now is around about 110 uh, people and, and growing, we'll double that in the next year or so, based in Melbourne, uh, Sydney, Brisbane, we'll move to Adelaide and Perth in the course of next, next year, um, has one common characteristic, and that is that we are all passionate about SME banking. We believe in the fundamentals of banking. We call it the craft of banking. And that is that in lending money to small to mid-sized businesses, in particular, judgment is very important. Now, we have a banking system today that has downgraded the importance of judgment, uh, particularly in SMEs. And what you find in the banking system today is a, an industry that has largely industrialized its operating model in order to cut costs. People are pointed to call centers. Small businesses that want to speak to a business banker to talk about expansion are pointed to a call center. Uh, and, and good luck if they can find someone who understands the but, business. But Joseph, on the last time I interviewed you, you took responsibility for making the decisions that made this happen at NAB. I did. Uh, partly, I mean, there was a trend in the industry of um, industrializing, cutting costs. And one of the, the biggest the, the regrets I have in my career was agreeing to offshore the financial analysis, which had been done 
around the business banking centers in Australia to Jaipur in India. Now, this was a big lesson. Uh, we, could, we could get our financial spreading done and, and financial analysis done in Jaipur at about 30% of the cost of doing it in Australia by highly qualified people. And what, what we got fixated on is we were focusing on what is counted, how much money we, we could save, and we lost sight of what really counts, and that is the development of the skills and expertise and the judgment that comes from the apprenticeship of spreading numbers and understanding how they link. A very small question for you. What's going on with the economy? It's uh, a little bit all over the place. Well, I mean, you mentioned... Try to keep your answer to 10 seconds. I will. <laughs> the, economy, the economy is in a difficult place. I mean, interest rates at 1%, uh, the cash rate at 1% is not good news. I mean, the, uh, because it suggests that there's deep concerns about the economy, and there is no, there's no question that there are the underlying trends in the economy are soft. Household in the housing sector, we see that. Um, but a one percent interest rate environment is not good. It's terrible news for people who have who have surplus cash and want to put it on deposit. And it would be all the BGL self-managed super fund yeah. clients, wouldn't it, Daniel? They wouldn't be too happy at the moment. But the the other thing is that by cutting interest rates to one percent or the cash rate to one percent, or even if it goes lower, that's not going to change sentiment. I don't know any small business or any large business that's going to make an investment decision based on a 25% reduction in the cash rate. That's not the basis on which people make decisions today. So I think we'd read into that a concern. The, you've written a book that is coming out in all good bookstores. Are there bookstores anymore? I can't remember. Um, in all good online bookstores. Uh, what went wrong with Australian banking breaking the banks by Joseph Healy? Uh, David, you wanted to read the first line because it caught your eye. <clears throat> this book sounds like From the Trenches of Banking. Just listen to how delicate Joseph is with his opinions here. What was once an industry built on trust, professionalism and value has become synonymous with greed, complacency and everything that has gone wrong with capitalism. Discuss. I think that was my, <laughs> that was my year 12 English exam, Joseph. That's a, that's a very bold opening line statement to write a book over. Well, it, it catches the attention. But the reason why, and, and uh, the reason why we're mentioning the book uh, in this forum is that a third, a third to 40% of the content is about small to mid-sized business, businesses and how the, how the banking sector has failed them. Uh, and it plays back to the raison d'etre for judo. Why did we establish judo? Because we saw a big gap in the market and a banking system that really left small businesses behind. You've been trading as Judo Capital for a number of years now in a limited banking licence? Well, no. So we, we, we've been trading from Judo Capital up until uh, the end of April this year without, without any banking licence. We got a full banking licence at the end of April. We chose not to go for the so-called restricted banking licence um, because we wanted to build a, a bank that was capable of scale. And the restricted banking licence uh, is a very restricted in nature, it limits you to two million dollars of deposits, for example. I noticed that you got your banking license uh, in part because one of your bankers, Frank, uh, who's sitting over there, told me. But also, uh, Kate, your one of your co-founders and head of your marketing, updated your Twitter account to say that it was Judo Bank. Yes. What's day one of becoming a bank look like? Do you just like Scrooge McDuck would just wind the wheel and then all the gold coins uh. would flush in to the coffers of the bank? Uh. Was it roughly? 
roughly like that? Oh, no, you take a deep breath because with that license comes huge responsibility. <gasps> Spider-Man. And huge obligations. <laughs> uh, believe me, the obligations are quite, are quite severe. Um, and so we were conscious that it's a privilege. That back, the APRA does not hand out banking licenses. And so when you get one, you've worked hard for it. And that's the way it should be. Um, but with it comes responsibility around professionalism. In judo, we believe very strongly in that. And it becomes, and also social license, that we do believe that we want to make a profit, but we're not going to drive this company to maximize profit at the cost of everything else. We want, we want to free from legacy. This is a really significant, important point. It's very rarely you start a new, a new bank free from legacy. No legacy technology, no legacy systems, processes, no legacy culture. I was going to say no legacy management thinking, but uh, you know that, that that's we're working on. That. <laughs> but free from legacy is a huge p comparative advantage, and we want to use that to good use. Uh, uh, that's a, a great uh, a great culture to have. The I want to talk a little bit. You spoke about the, the big four, which obviously get a lot of uh, a lot of look in in the papers. There, there is a we call it, I guess, some people. Call it the fifth lender, somebody with, with who is giving away millions and millions—not giving away, lending millions and millions on almost uh, unbelievably generous credit terms, writing off interest with no application fees. I am, of course, talking about the ATO. Uh, how do you see that in the market, especially in that small business space, because they seem to be the current bank of choice and i'm not clearly not saying that's right i'm just saying that's where it's going that's a great question i mean we we always want to understand why there is an issue with the ato in a particular business is it a cyclical or is it a structural problem is it a timing issue or is it fundamentally mismanagement so we will look through that issue and i can say that hand on heart because in the last month we've approved three transactions we're looking at frank where three where there have been ATO arrears, but but the reasons why there were ATO arrears were, sense, were easily understood and not seen as structural, and we look through that. So we don't we don't get spooked by one number or one label. We want to understand why that has occurred and uh, and 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 how it will be remedied. Terrific, Joseph Healy. Uh, three hundred clients for you. <laughs> well, I think the terms have got to be a little bit... We've got to check the term sheet. Uh, but can I have a big uh, round of applause for Joseph Healy, please? Thank you. We were going to ask a couple of... We could just get a couple of questions from the audience, if you don't mind. Have you got a couple of moments? But before we get started, I thought I'd like to ask a question of my own. Um... For those of you who might know me, um, I like to debunk the myth that accountants are trusted advisors because we are in fact not and the statistics show that. But the statistics for bankers is far worse than the accounting industry. Roy, Roy Morgan does um, a, kind of, you know, a whole bunch of research. 2017 they published the updated statistics of whether the general public think that um, a profession is seen as being ethical or honest, highly ethical, highly, highly honest. Accountants sit 50%, which is pretty crap. Nurses were 94%, real estate agents were 7%.
bank managers went from, they dropped 50% in the last 30 years to 33%. You've been talking about how you're doing it differently and how you're doing these things, but there, a lot of these things are really high level, hypothetical, this is what we want to achieve and this is what we want to do. What's the practicality of actually doing that? What does it actually look like? What are you, what are you actually doing in a fundamental change of how you start to live yep, that stuff great. out? Great question, because this goes to culture. And, and the way that you start building a culture uh, is through language. The language that you use inside the organization. So for example, the banking industry has been absolutely plagued by product and sales language. Uh, and we don't use that kind of language inside the organization. I mean, would you, would you go to your dentist and doctor and be concerned whether they're gonna sell you a cross-sell treatment that you don't need? Uh, we believe that banks, that we're not dentists or doctors, but the level of professionalism and the level of trust that businesses should have in the advice from the banker are of the same standard. That when a bank says something to the customer about what they should do, it should be based on an understanding of the customer and always in the customer's interest. Never selling the customer something that they don't need or want and, and never feeling that, that um, you should do anything that is not in their interest. So language is very important because it helps, it's, a, it's one of the foundations of building the kind of culture that says we want to go back to banking as it used to be, banking as it should be, when people could trust their banker. And that's, in our organization, that goes to the core of who we are. Now some skeptics might say, well that sounds all very grand, um, but h how are you going to do that? And the way that we, we are doing that is through the hiring, through our, that way, the, way, the people that we hire, uh, strong commitment to professionalism. People have got to go through the Institute of Bankers uh, training program. All the bankers that come into this organization, and you really find this interesting, after three interviews, they've got to do a three-hour credit test in one of the rooms here. Our pass rate is 42% frank there or thereabouts. So over around about 60% of the bankers who are already in the industry who we would hire otherwise because they've gone through three interviews, when we ask them to do a fundamental test on financial analysis and on judgment, how would you interpret certain information, only 40% thereabouts are able to pass that test. That tells us that there's a deep problem in the industry. Uh, we, have a, we have a mission to redress that, uh, and it's all gonna be about the people that we hire and the culture that we develop and the, and the, and the importance of language that is used as the way that we talk, think, and act inside the organization. Excellent. Very good. I think the boys have got a lot of thoughts on that from the accounting industry, how we improve that too, but we won't go there. Um, if anyone's got any questions, raise your hand. I'm going to say it again through the microphone so the people listening can hear. So the question for the audience was, how, uh, how is Geodobank actually going to go about funding their clients with the funds that they need? Well, no, funding the bank's work. Oh, yeah, good. No, no, it's good. So yep. Are you doing notes, like securitisation? Yep. Yeah, will there be notes, will there be securitisation, yep. deposits, yep. so yep. on and yep. so forth? Sort of great question. So, I mean, the, so the, there'll be a staged development of our, of our approach to funding. But at day one, um, we've raised just over $500 million of, of equity. We've uh, arranged uh, about $650 million of wholesale funding lines. And from the end of this month, we'll c come into the retail deposit market and, and, and raise deposits. 
over time, we would expect deposits to be about 70% of the liability side of the balance sheet. And, and by the way, anybody in this room can deposit with Juro from 1 August. Uh, we'll offer very attractive rates, so tell friends and family. And to repeat what I said earlier, all deposits are government guaranteed. All deposits are government guaranteed up to $250,000. I think what everyone's wondering, is there going to be like a special equity raise that the people in the room can get access to all of a sudden? Uh, well, is there a from the trenches special release, you know? Yeah, well, early IPO, uh, like what are we talking about here? Well, um, we, I think we've probably got one or two more equity raises to do before we go potentially go public. Um, but our, our shareholder register is quite a, a packed and crowded register with some very blue chip names. So I, I'd be misleading anybody to say that our, right now that our shares are available. Um, but when, and if, assume we do go up public at some stage in the not-too-distant future, um, then, of course, there's an opportunity for people to invest. In, in, a, in a bank that will not be the biggest business bank in Australia, but it will definitely be the best business bank in Australia. The best business bank in Australia. Very good. All right, well, thank you very much. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at Paul Meissner underscore or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the Trenches.